purpose of revival is for us to be empowered to impact our world with the glory of God. While we look across our nation and realize that challenges exist, we also see that there are great opportunities. What will you do? God is still looking for people who he can send on his behalf to the world. Will you go? So if you're part of a church where God's word's being taught, we encourage you to remain faithful there. Uh, but if you're looking for a home church, please come back, worship with us and see uh, if this is where God wants you to be planted. Uh, some of us uh, would have received the news that uh, Auntie Maria Prasanna, who, ha- who has been with us as uh, part of the church uh, for well over 10 years, uh, she passed away last week, Thursday evening at, at around 9 p.m. And her funeral will be today at uh, 3 o'clock at the uh, Hosur Cemetery. So those of you who would like to come, um, please try to be there at 3 at the Hosur Cemetery. Uh, if you want to go a little earlier, uh, you can go to the Indranagar home uh, to view the body there. Uh, the funeral service will be at 3 o'clock at uh, the Hosur Cemetery. Um, Auntie Maria, for those of us who know her, she... Uh, I really spent a lot of time with us in the early days. Um, as she used to teach in our Bible college. Uh, she was really enthusiastic, really passionate about the Word. And she was really strict teacher. <laughs> so she used to teach in our Bible college. She also was one of our uh, teachers at the foundations course when we launched that. We used to have the class in the other hall on the first floor, and she used to teach the class there. Um, and, and she was really committed to the Word and to the ministry. And so we really appreciate uh, what she did. She also had a Bible study in her home, and uh, some people would, some of us attended there, and uh, I, I know that many, uh, some of our lives were touched really through that Bible study that she had in her home. Uh, she was away from India for a while, she was with her family, and so uh, there was about a two years gap, and she wasn't here, but then she came back, uh, and uh, uh, she continued, she really wanted, she was looking forward to being engaged once again and serving and so on uh, in the church, but... Um, um, this happened Thursday, so we do remember her, but we know that um, she's with the Lord and she's done her part while she journeyed here on earth uh, for the kingdom of God. Uh, just changing note here, uh, December 13th, when we come into this Christmas season, uh, usually it's a time for us to reach out to people, uh, to share the gospel and so on. So there'll be a lot of activity, a lot of things happening uh, during December. We'll keep you informed. Uh, usually what we do during December time is we get into corporates, we get into the malls, and we get into uh, schools and colleges and all of that, uh, doing ministry, reaching out to people, uh, and uh, we keep you informed so you could be involved in whichever uh, of these outreaches uh, that we uh, go out during uh, this month of Christ- uh, Christ- during December. Uh, but one <coughs> big event that we're doing is on the 13th of December, the second Sunday of December. Uh, which, we'll call as, which we call as a big Sunday. Our big Sundays are usually those Sundays when the entire service is geared towards those who do not know Jesus. Um, uh, the message and everything is geared towards that. So December 13th will be our big Sunday, a Christmas Sunday. Uh, we have invites uh, available right now, and uh, our uh, ushers will come and give the invites to you. Uh, this invite is not for you, because we assume you will be here. Uh, the invite is for two, at least we want each person to take two of these invites. Think about two people, either from your school, your college, your place of work, or your neighborhood, your community, or people that you personally know, whom you can invite for our big Sunday, right? So this is a nice Christmas greeting card invites that you can give out to them. Uh, so let's go out and give uh, everybody at least two, in, uh, two cards. If you want more, you can pick them up uh, from the book table after the service. If you plan to invite 10 people, that's great. Uh, you could do that. Pick up 10 cards, invite them for our big Sunday, which is on the 13th of December. So think about at least two people. If you want to think about five or 10, that's great. Start praying for them now. Give them this invite. Invite them to our big Sunday, which is December 13th. Now, what we're going to do at Central, uh, which will be different from our other locations, at Central, we are encouraging people to stay back. Uh, so we have our Christmas service, which will happen during the 10.30 to 12. And then 12 to 3.30, we're going to have lunch and we're going to have games. Things that will happen here, uh, uh, you know, in the, in the facility here. So we'd like you to stay, plan on staying back and having your friends stay back for that. We'd like uh, 
our goal is really to build time together amongst us as a family as well as for us to uh, you know make non-believers those are visitors who for coming new uh, make them feel welcome let them uh, feel accepted and welcomed um, in the church so we're going to stay back from 12 to 3:30 for lunch and games there'll be indoor and outdoor activities happening and uh, we'd like all of us to stay back at least for this so you get to meet other people uh, before you behind those are sitting behind you in front of you get to know them uh, interact with each other uh, during this time uh, the only thing is this instead of giving free lunch we're going to make lunch available at a very reasonable cost right so we'd like to um, uh, have uh, have people just uh, buy a, lun a lunch coupon and so on so uh, what we'd like you to do uh, is two things one is we'd like to like for you to register you and the friends you're bringing who agreed to come we'd like you to register so we have a count of uh, those who are coming you can go to our church website uh, it's that information is given on your card it's uh, apcw.org forward slash big sunday uh, so you just go there to our church website and you can register yourself and your friends you register them so we know who's coming and uh, then you can also pick up these lunch coupons at the info desk uh, just uh, so that you you pay for yourself and your friends that you're inviting uh, it's a it's just a nominal cost and it's not uh, big but it's just a small token there that you could do that so uh, it'll help us you know provide the food and the snacks and all of that during uh, for big Sunday is that okay right so what are we gonna do first identify a few people that you're gonna invite for big Sunday Two, register yourself and your friends who agreed to come through our church website just register put their names down and thirdly also buy these lunch coupons that's available at the uh, info desk today and, and the next coming Sundays will be available so once you make uh, get to know who are coming you can pick them up is that okay right just for us to uh, reach out and 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 uh, do this. I want to thank uh, Suhas and his team here for organizing all this. I'm just a delivery boy, <laughs> but the real people are who are doing the work uh, there. So let's just appreciate them. Thank you, thank you, Suhas. All right, we're going to make uh, get ourselves ready to make our declaration uh, before we um, get into God's word this morning. And uh, I just want to bring our attention to this verse of scripture. Uh, in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, it's a very uh, well-known verse, uh, Romans 4 verse 17, where God is speaking to Abraham and he's, uh, and that passage there is teaching us about Abraham's faith. And there it, it begins in that verse 17, it says uh, that, that Abraham believed God uh, and God quickens the dead, God gives life to the dead and God calls things that do not exist as though they did so God calls things that do not exist as though they did that's the nature of God that's the way God works he doesn't look at darkness and say wow how dark it is you know he looks at darkness and he says let there be light he calls what is not into being and he taught Abraham to do the same thing you know Abraham very interestingly when he's about 75 God comes to him and says Abraham his name at that time was Abraham, which simply means exalted father. And he says, Abraham, uh, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And uh, I'm going to have, you know, you're going to have descendants like the stars in the sky and like the sand or the seashore. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Now, imagine if God spoke that to you and you're 75 years of age. And uh, his wife, Sarah, uh, was barren from the time they got married so they had no children and Abraham said God you got the wrong address you know it must have been the young boy that's uh, <laughs> but that's what God spoke to Abraham he said I'm, this is what I'm going to do in your life but one of the things God taught Abraham then was he said Abraham I want you to change your name to Abraham and your wife her name's Sarai I want you to change her name to Sarah and start calling each other these names or, so when somebody comes to Abraham, uh, Abraham and says, what's your name? He says, my name is Abraham, father of a multitude, father of a great nation. And he hadn't had even one child at that point. They would come to Sarah and ask, what's your name? She said, my name is Sarah, meaning I'm a mother of princes. 
many, many great people. Uh, and so they were actually declaring something about themselves which they were not yet. But they were calling things that were not as though they... Amen? So in our lives, when we read the promise of God, uh, it is important to pray through for the promise, but also begin to declare that promise over your own life. Call that promise into your life. Maybe right now, for example, maybe right now you're struggling financially. Or maybe, you know, some of you are in college. You're not really doing well in your studies. You know, and, uh, you know, your teacher is saying you're a failure. Your parents are saying, man, I don't know what's going to happen to you. Whatever. Right? So or maybe you're a professional and you haven't been successful. Whatever. So that's present tense. That's your situation. But what does the word of God say? One passage. The scripture says, you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You'll bring forth your fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither. And whatever you do will. So what should you say about yourself? Either you can say, man, I'm a miserable failure. That's what everybody is saying. Or you can say, God has said, I will be like a tree planted by. So you begin to say, I am like a tree planted by the rivers of what? I bring forth my fruit in its season. My leaf does not wither. And whatever I do, but at the moment right now, you may not even have any branches. Forget the leaves. You know? <laughs> at the moment right now, you're like a little stump, totally dry, no hope, no future. But you can still say you are a tree planted by the rivers of water. Why? Because God said it first. And you're just agreeing with God. The reason Abraham could, call, Abraham could call himself a father of a multitude when he did not have even one son was because God said it first. God called him Abraham. Jesus agreeing with God. Amen? So that's part of faith. We agree with God. We agree that what God said is true. And I'm becoming what God said I will become. Amen? So let's stand to our feet as we make our declaration this morning. We're just going to agree with what God has said concerning us in his word. So if you brought your Bible, please hold it high up in the air. Let's make this declaration together this morning. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Greet the person next to you, please. Say hi to them, hello to them, give them your name, and then you can be seated. All right, this morning, uh, the sermon or the message is more informational. Uh, it's not some deep teaching from the Word of God is just to inform us and hopefully through that information many of us will be motivated uh, and stirred um, and uh, yeah thank you just maybe close the doors and windows that side yeah in the last two Sundays we've um, been talking about revival and just uh, revisiting that subject and as I said uh, this is just a precursor to what we're going to be doing in January next year uh, when uh, starting in the middle, uh, towards the second half of January, we'll spend maybe about two and a half months there talking about uh, revivals, visitations, and the moves of God. We look, start from the day of Pentecost, and then trace the journey the church made throughout history and all the way till where we are today, and just to see what God has done in the life of the church uh, and bringing us to where we are. And it's good, it's just an exciting thing to look back at church history. 
and uh, uh, unearth all those revivals that have taken place around the world globally when the Spirit of God has moved and uh, done amazing things. But uh, as we talk about revival, and again, I want to mention that, you know, we can use any language we want. Some of us use revival. Uh, some of us use the terms, you know, renewal. Uh, we talk about outpouring or we talk about visitations. We talk about um, uh, release of the Spirit. Uh, so many things. People use different language. They use different terminology. And, and what we're really concerned with is not the language that we're using, but what we are really pursuing. Uh, we as a church may not be necessarily dead spiritually, but I'm sure that we can use more life than what we have right now. Amen? Yes. <laughs> we may not necessarily be dead, but I'm sure we could say, God, we want more of your glory. Amen? So that's itself uh, this pursuing of revival, the pursuit of more of God simply uh, is revival. The cry for more of the glory of God, that's revival. And we can all do for, well, uh, but seeking God more intensely and having more of His presence, His life, His power in us. And uh, as, we, as we talk about revival, there are many things that, that go with it. it. It's not enough just to experience a visitation of God, an outpouring of God, a season when, when God is doing something powerful and unusual. What we can learn from church history is that not only should we pursue to receive revival, we must learn how to be good stewards of revival. Steward it. Because every visitation of God, as we said, should actually become a habitation of God. Every revival bring, brings with the two key elements. There is the revelation that comes in the revival and there is the demonstration that comes as part of a revival, of a visitation. And we must learn to hold on to these key elements that God releases. The ex experiences of God, the revelation of God in a revival should now become the new norm. It shouldn't be like, okay, we experienced it sometime back and everything is gone. No, it should become the new norm. It should become the habitation of God amongst us. But not only should the visitation of God become a habitation, we should also learn how to release it, how to spread the fire. Become carriers of the glory of God. Become carriers of the revival of God. Whatever term you want to use, it's fine. But each one of us must carry that in our spirit so that when we go amongst other people who are desiring that, we can spread the fire. We can ignite their hearts. It's like when you're bringing fire to dry wood. You come in there and you set that whole thing aflame. Amen? That's what we're pursuing. That's where we want to go. And uh, the visitations of God should become the habitation of God and then become a move of God that the fire of God begins to spread across our city and across our nation. We become carriers of that. Are you with me so far? Right? So we, we are pursuing. We want to make that journey. We want to see that. And so what I want to imp impress on our hearts is that this pursuit of revival is not a selfish agenda. It's not something for us. Oh, you know, we feel so nice. God was moving amongst us and we had all this. No. The whole pursuit of revival is so that we could eventually become carriers of the glory of God and impact our nation. And in revival, God does, usually what we see is, God does in a day what may take us 10 years to achieve through our church programs. And I'm not against church programs. We need it. At least we do something. You know, at least we do something to reach out. But historically you look at this history of revivals uh, and the results of some of the greatest evangelism evangelistic efforts whether it's and i'm not demeaning any of these people but of the great crusades by billy graham or benny hinn or whoever the great crusades and you compare that to the results of revival of the moving of the holy spirit and here's what you will find and it's commonly accepted that the net result of a great evangelistic campaign, if you have even 10% of the people who respond, actually discipled and connected to a church, it's great. Most of it is less than 10%. So if you have 100 people raise their hands up in an evangelistic campaign, you might have 5 people actually discipled and planted in a church. That is the norm of our church organized evangelistic programs. But in revival, and you look at the date of revivals, it is at least 
when the Holy Spirit moves and there is a sovereign move of God and, and there is this thing impacting the community, what is the net result? 80% of the people who are touched through a revival are planted and discipled in a church. Now you tell me what's more effective. I am not against church programs and organized programs. We have a lot of it and thank God at least for the 5% or the 10% to get connected to church. We need that at least. But shouldn't it make sense that we should pursue the, the revival? We should pursue a move of God because we know the lasting impact that revivals have had on communities throughout history. And there is data to show us the result, the impacts of revivals, the visitations of God among communities. Amen? So we are in that pursuit. And uh, this morning, what we really want to impress on our hearts is this, that as we pursue God for revival, it's so that we can become carriers of this revival to impact our city and uh, the nation. Sure, we need to have nations in our heart. That means nations outside of India, and we will make our journey to that and talk about that. But let's begin with our own nation. So this morning, I want to just present some information about our nation, India, as, as a nation, what's happening now, and especially focus on the spiritual side of things. And uh, just lay a challenge before our hearts on what you and I can do to impact our nation and what can you and I do to make a difference in our nation. Let's begin, first of all, by just looking at two passages of Scripture which, is, uh, uh, which are very well known. I'll just read these passages for us. In Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, the Lord speaks to, uh, speaking to his son, he gives his promise, and it is something you and I inherit. He says in Psalm 2, 7 and 8, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. God is saying, ask of me, and I will give you, nations for your inheritance now you know we think god i mean if you give me my little community that's enough i mean this little village or this little place but god is actually promising to his son and to us as part of the church ask of me and i will give you nations do you think god's able to do that i believe he is that we as a church are called to think in terms of impacting nations. Ask of me and I will give you nations for your inheritance. And even the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. This is what I will do. This is my promise. And so we need to begin to think like that. How can we think in terms of nations, impacting nations? The great commission here in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which again you're, you and I are familiar with. Jesus said in verse 18, uh, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He says, I want you to disciple nations. And so it's important for us to, to, to have that big picture. What's happening in our nation? Sometime back, especially in business and management circles, you had this slogan going around, you know, think globally, act locally. And I say, think global, act local. And, and, and I just want to just probably just remind us about that, you know. Yeah, many of us in our everyday, daily life, we are just so consumed by what's happening around us locally. You know, maybe, you know, we're in, reaching a slum. Or maybe we are serving in a school. Or maybe we are doing ministry in a certain area. You're acting locally, and that's wonderful. But it's also very important to think globally, to have a big picture view. Uh, so that what you're doing in some way is connected to what's happening at a global level. And so this morning, we're going to look at a big picture. We're going to have a big picture view of what's happening across our nation. And, uh, and then begin to think in terms of that. What, what are we going to do? Yes, we're going to act locally. But what are we going to do in terms of what's happening in India as a nation? So let's just begin. And this is going to be a lot of information just for us to uh, consider this morning. As a nation, you, uh, and I hope these maps come out okay on the, on the, on the screen there. It was, wasn't too clear. Invest. Okay. So we have 29 states, seven union territories, 647 districts, and uh, we know the distribution of our states uh, across uh, across our country. 
And that maps, they just remind us in case we forgot our geography. Now, uh, typically in terms of cities, uh, we have um, eight tier one cities. Uh, then we have about 26 tier two, 33 tier three cities, about 5,000 tier four towns, and about 638,000 villages distributed across our nation. Now these tier one cities, the top 10 tier one cities in terms of the um, GDP, you find listed here. Um, the first eight are of course the top uh, eight, uh, the tier one cities. Mumbai, Delhi, Kokoran, Bangalore, Hyderabad, Chennai, Ahmedabad, Pune. The next two are interesting. They're uh, smaller towns, but in terms of GDP, they are way up there in the, in, in the top 10, Surat and uh, Vishakhapatnam. Now, in terms of demographics, as a country, we are the second largest in population. Soon, we might become the first. We are about 1.2 growing uh, and growing billion people. This is according to 2011 census. So now the numbers would obviously be uh, higher. And uh, out of this, our literacy rate as a country is about 74, maybe 75% literates. Now, it means 25% of that 1.2 billion people cannot be reached through the normal means. Like we give out tracts, we say read the book, all of that. You can't reach them because they are not literate. You can't give them a New Testament and say read the New Testament. They can't do it. 25% of 1.2, that's a huge number. You can't reach them through traditional means. We've got to have other means to reach that 25%. Are you with me? It's a big challenge. Very interesting, the median age in our nation is about 25. 50% of our population is 25 years and below. That's huge. We've got a very young nation. 25 and below, 50%. One uh, out of every two. 50%, 25 and below. And therefore, our strategy, our strategy, our focus, our way to reach our nation should be geared towards this. In terms of the economy, and uh, just make mention here that Hindi, being the national language of a country, about 41% of our people speak Hindi or some variation of it. Now I wish I passed my Hindi. You know? I mean, I passed, but... Barely passed, you know. But 41%. I mean, that's huge. 41% of people in our country use Hindi or some variation of it uh, to communicate. And that's why even our, folk, our books, we trans make sure the first translation is get it done in Hindi. And then we will look at the other languages. In terms of our economy, you know, the three major uh, sectors there, agriculture, industry and services, industries and services. You see that agriculture, although it's just 18%, uh, it's a small, about 18%, a small portion of our GDP, you find that 50% of India's workforce is engaged in agriculture. 50%. Now, that's significant. When we talk about the marketplace, and I know there's a lot of emphasis on the marketplace, and thank God for it, because we do have our people in, in, in the industry and the services sector. When you talk about services, you're talking about IT-enabled services and other uh, related services, which contributes very significantly, about 60% of our GDP, but it has a smaller percentage of the workforce involved. They are the influencers. Of course, we need to reach out to them. But also consider that when we're talking about a marketplace, we're talking 50% who are involved in agriculture. So what can we do now to connect with the 50% of people who are in that kind, who are engaging the marketplace in that manner, if we are talking about marketplace ministry. But most of the marketplace ministries focus on urban centers. It's very well and understood because they are the influencers, the decision makers, the policy makers. But don't forget, the other side of the marketplace is 
in the, in the fields, in the agricultural sector. Some of the challenges that face the Indian economy is the population explosion, poverty. About 22% of our population is below the national poverty line. And if you look at the map and if you can see the shading there, they're really dark red or uh, yeah, dark red or whatever the color is. Uh, you'll find that that's, that means that about 40% of the population there is below the poverty line. And you find that most of the states in, in the center, we're looking at states like Madhya Pradesh, UP, uh, Bihar, Chhattisgarh, and, 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 and a couple of spots in, in the, the northeast, about 40% or 30 to 40% are of the population are below poverty line. So when we go there on missions, and we go there to engage with them and talk to them about Jesus, understand the kind of people you're talking to. You're talking to people, many of whom are living below poverty line. That's whom you're engaging with when you go to those parts of our country. There is increasing un unemployment and a significant rural-urban divide. Urban centers are developing at a much higher rate than what we're seeing in, in the rural areas of our country. Now let's just turn, to, uh, uh, turn uh, to the spiritual side of things. What are we seeing happening in our nation? And again, this is all census data. This is 2011 census data. Uh, Hindu make up about 80%. We have about 14.2% of Muslim. Christians, about 2.3%. And then we have several other uh, uh, religions there. And you look at the distribution of Christian population across India. I'm not sure if you can see the sh different shades of blue on the the map very clearly but you see the light blue the really light blue up from the center all the way up to the north which is telling us that that whole region is between zero to one percent christian population we have some really dark blue spots where you know the christian population would be about 80 to 90 percent up in the away in the northeast but other than that the light blue part is zero to one percent and so it only makes sense now for us to focus our efforts on that part of India, on the northern part of India, bringing the gospel to them, equipping and building up the church in that region. Because that's a very important part for us to complete the task of evangelizing our worlds. So many of you think, you know, why are we so much talking about missions? And every time we talk about missions, we're going up north. Yeah, that's the reason. It's because that part of our nation, the percentage of Christian population is either between 0 to 1%. That's it. We're living in Bangalore. We're living in South where, you know, maybe the, dens the density of the population, uh, uh, density of Christians is much higher between, you know, 20 to 35%. And so it's very easy for us. But as you move up, that's what you find. In terms of people groups, when you talk about people groups, we're talking about a homogeneous community where People uh, you know, are, 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 are homogeneous, maybe in their culture and their belief systems. Um, and uh, in India, we have about 2,145 people groups. And out of that, 1,932 people groups are termed unreached. That means uh, you would call a people group as reached when they have a viable witness in their own community of their own people. So if I go to a people group, a community, and I bear witness to them, that's good, but I can only do so much. But the goal is to raise up a witness among their own community because they will be able to impact their own community better. So we have about 1,932 people groups unreached. And if you look at terms of population, in terms of numbers, we have a huge uh, unreached population of over uh, 1.2 billion people. Now, a lot of this information is available online. The two mission-related websites that I refer you to, one is joshuaproject.net, and the other one is operationworld.org. 
uh, you can get a lot of the information. They have a lot of mission teams doing data collection across uh, globally. So you can get information. You can study about people groups. You can study about our own nation and states and all of that and just drill down into uh, uh, useful information. They have lots of prayer guides on how you can pray and so on. Now what I want to do is just to talk briefly about what's happening in some of our Indian states in the center and up north. Just a few of them, uh, not all of them. Just to impress on our hearts the need that's out there. And you look at Bihar. Bihar is, has been traditionally known as the missionary's graveyard. Do you want to talk about one part of India where it's been hard and really, really hard? That's Bihar. And uh, Bihar as a state, there's only 0.1% Christian population. Uh, still there are 371 unreached people groups. And uh, the challenge with Bihar is that 90% of the people are rural, living in, in villages. 90%. So that's one of the world's highest rates in terms of people living out in villages. And that's in Bihar. So our whole focus and missions and work needs to take on a different dimension when we are talking about Bihar because most of them live in rural areas. And also 60% of Bihar is young population, 25 and below. So we are talking about a very young uh, population. The good news is that uh, there have been several or at least a couple of mission, missionary uh, and workers and God servants who've had uh, uh, a significant success in pioneering work in Bihar. Uh, one, and it's, you, may, you might be familiar with these names, and you might know other mission organizations as well, but just for us to uh, recognize, um, Reverend Augustine Jebakumar of the GEMS, um, the organization called GEMS. In 1992, he and his wife went to Bihar, started work there, and God has used them significantly to do a pioneering work in Bihar. And there are people from the south, Tamil Nadu, who have gone there and done it. And again, that's a very interesting trend we see, that God using people from the south uh, to serve people up in the north. Um, we also had the French Missionary Prayer Band, FMPB, who also done a great pioneering work in Bihar. Gujarat, the percentage of Christians there is about 0.5%, about 580 people groups, yet unreached. And uh, what we are seeing, and this is just news from the ground, is that there is there's a good response among some of the tribals. Um, the largest tribal group in India are called the Bills. And uh, a lot of them are there in, in, in Gujarat and other parts of India as well. Um, and a lot, and, and they, are, they have been responding very wonderfully to the gospel, especially in the southern part of Gujarat. And... Uh, uh, Bishop Devadas of Sharing Love Mission. I, I got to meet him personally, and God has used him powerfully uh, among working among the tribals. Um, and he shared his story how, as a young man, he was actually committing, ready to commit suicide, end his life. But God called him, touched him, God called him. He worked with FMBB for a while. And then God spoke to, I think, either him or his wife in a vision. Where they saw, uh, in the vision, they saw a, a, a man with a bow and arrow ready to shoot. And they felt that God was calling them to these kinds of people. So they began to do research. Where do you find these kind of people? And they realized, and they, uh, after contacting and speaking to people, they, they found out, they traced them to the Bill tribes in Gujarat. And so they left everything, what they were doing, they moved uh, and settled down there and started work there. Today, uh, 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 there are about 620 villages among the Bills that have been reached where services are happening. They have more than 1,000 full-time staff for working in these tribal areas. Amazing that God would do this from a couple who just moved there in obedience to God. So we are seeing these wonderful things happening and, uh, and thank God for it. Uh, that you know, These kind of works uh, are being pioneered in parts of our nation. When you move up north to Jammu and Kashmir, that it's really, really difficult. Um, We've got 0.2% Christian. We've got 303 unreached people groups there. Are you able to read the numbers on the wall? You can? Okay. And uh, almost all the people in German Kashmir are still unreached. So here is a part of our nation that needs a lot of work. 
but there's also a lot of risk involved because uh, life at life of there is risky we also know about a lot of the uh, uh, militant Islamic influence there in that part of our nation and so challenges are there uh, in 2012 I was there in Jammu speaking to a group of about 90 pastors engaging with them talking to them uh, and uh, many of their stories many of them live in Jammu they travel up into Kashmir to minister their lives are at stake many of them have stories of you know nearly losing their lives for the sake of the gospel and there's just a tremendous need um, uh, to uh, to reach that part of our nation almost untouched Punjab uh, about right now is about 1.2 percent Christian about a still about 389 unreached people groups and the news news from the ground uh, in Punjab is quite positive there seems to be a, a, a significant move of God especially through Punjab and through the villages so you have lots of people lots of villages being touched lots of people in the rural parts of Punjab smaller towns are being touched and coming to the gospel so there seems to be a great response uh, so everywhere you go when you go up north and you start talking about Punjab people are very excited because something is happening in Punjab right now God is moving lots of people are responding but with it come problems the problems are that these are like a young generation of believers and uh, they immediately try to copy all the wrong things of the church and start doing the wrong things uh, so you have pastors who have you know maybe 50 people and they walk around like you know superstars <laughs> they be like you know I am I am already some big man everybody gives a lot of respect to spiritual people so if you just call yourself a pastor everybody's gonna respect you and you have all these wrong things happening and uh, we were in Chandigarh at least four times now twice we did uh, uh, you know training for pastors and then we did two youth uh, events as well and uh, it's really uh, you know it's just quite apparent that when these when they come and uh, uh, as, uh, and we, especially uh, when we had these young uh, the events for the youth um, they're rough and tough if they don't like it they'll break anything hey but they're believers you know? <laughs> they might just break the door or kick the tap or you know do something they're rough and tough but they are believers they just not yet you know they just need a lot of discipling and a lot of uh, things to happen but the good side is so many of them are responding and so uh, that is a need to go there and disciple them and and teach them how to grow in Christ and be more Christ-like and grow in the faith and so on Rajasthan is again a huge part of our nation that needs a lot of work just 0.1 percent Christian 507 unreached people groups uh, there are people working in the city Jaipur a lot of uh, denominations the assemblies of God and others have gone in and, and are seeing a little bit of success in the city of Jaipur uh, uh, there are some tribals that are responding but the work is going very slow so what you have right now in Rajasthan is a huge state a lot of work to be done not much happening not many people being uh, really reached and and uh, the Rajputs um, uh, are pretty still res very very resistant to the gospel so somebody asks me, where are you from? I say, I'm part Rajput. <laughs> my, my grandmother, my dad's side is from Rajasthan. So we have family there. Um, UP, the last state we look at, 0.2% um, Christian, uh, 619 unreached people group. Now, UP is a very important state for, uh, for the nation because some of the religious capitals like Varanasi, Allahabad, uh, are, you know, are there, right there in, in UP. Uh, what happens there impacts the nation spiritually. Um, uh, just reports from the ground, seems like there's a good progress of the UP mission, lots of prayer activity going on, so there is good progress, but still, it's a huge part of our nation that needs work. Uh, that needs to be reached and also very influential in terms of the spiritual aspect a very influential uh, state in our nation now the whole purpose of all this is to challenge you and me how are we going to respond will we have a heart for our nation we look will we look at India as a nation and say look you know I need to do something I need to do something that will impact my nation I'm sure I'm not going to win the whole nation but I need to do my part and if all of us do our part we can impact the nation as a whole the challenges are there but there are great opportunities for all of us 
to do something in our nation. And uh, uh, we need to engage both the rural and the urban population. We can't just, you know, neglect. Both are important. And we need to have strategy to engage both. Next Sunday, we'll talk about our urban centers. We'll talk about cities in India and what we should do. But what I want to present before we close this morning is some thoughts here on how you and I, as a church and as people who are part of a church community, how could we engage in this great task of reaching our nation? First, I just want to present these to us. How about adopting a state in prayer? Maybe, you know, there's a particular state in our nation that you feel like, God, I'll, I'll go after this, this particular state. I'll go after the toughest state, Bihar, or Jammu and Kashmir, or some other state that you feel like, I'll pick it up, and I'll begin to pray for the work of God in that state. And you can go online to these websites I mentioned to you about joshuaproject.net or operationworld.org. Get information about what's happening in this state. Uh, they give you details on how to pray for the state. So you can begin to pray for the state. And, and begin, as a, the more you pray, the more uh, uh, passion you will develop for that state. So you could do that. Or you can even adopt a community or people group in prayer. So you research and you, you find out about a people group in a certain part of our nation. And you begin to pray for that people group. Or you could do more. If you can have time, you could pick up seven people groups. And every day you pray for one different uh, people group and keep praying for them. Um, and again, you can get information about these people groups. Uh, on these websites, these mission websites. Thirdly, be a part of our short-term missions. Now, what we do in our short-term missions is pretty simple, nothing very complicated. Our goal is to equip the church, to strengthen the believers who are already there in, these, in the, this part of our nation, the northern part of our nation. So we do two things. One is we either minister to the leaders, the pastors, and those uh, heading up ministry, or we serve people in the church, believers, young people. So we go there. We may usually go for two or three days, uh, and we spend time equipping our Christian leaders or young people, believers in the church. Minister to them and come back. Now, it, it might seem like a small thing. What are you going to do, achieve in three days? But a lot can happen. When you transfer, when you impart, they are built up and they can go and impact hundreds, maybe many more people uh, uh, in their communities where we may not be able to go and spend time. So it's a great way to impact our, our nation. Do our little bit. Do our part. Uh, in, in, in responding to this need that's out there. Number four, now I want to challenge you, and I've talked about this in the past, but I want to remind us that maybe some of us could be part of our church planting movement. We've, we've planted churches across our country. Uh, we have, I think, about eight churches now outside of Bangalore. And we, we want to see more churches raised up. When we talk about churches, we're not just talking about, uh, you know, just plant a church for the sake of planting a church, but we want to talk about churches that will impact that will be out there uh, impacting their communities, making a difference. And some of you can think about that, pray about it. What, what would I do? What can I do? Maybe, you know, I can relocate to another city in my country, uh, a tier one or a tier two or tier three city, and, uh, and serve God, give my life to raising up a church there. Maybe spend five years there or maybe the rest of my life, whatever, and, and raise up a church there uh, and, and do that uh, intentionally. You plan for it strategize, uh, trans get a job transfer, or find a job in that city, or go start a business there and engage the community, plant a church uh, for the sake of God's kingdom. You know, it might seem like unreasonable to talk about this, but when you look back at church history, the great missionaries who came to India and to other parts of the world, that's what they did. They sacrificed for the sake of the gospel. William Carey was he was known as the father of the modern missions movement. He left his fam, uh, you know, he left his home. He left everything in England, came all the way to Calcutta. And uh, I think it was eight or ten years. He hardly saw, he didn't see anybody come to the Lord. But he was there, rooted there, uh, uh, close to Calcutta. And he started work there. Today, there's such a huge legacy that's left behind. The Serampore University, uh, he was instrumental in, in, in its initial setup. And uh, translating the Bible into many Indian languages was done by a foreigner, somebody who came from outside the country, and he gave his life to do that. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, they have left us in legacy. And today, I think for us, I mean, if, even if you move to another tier one city or a tier two city, your standard of living may not change significantly. You can still drive your nice car, and maybe the road streets are much better there <laughs> than Bangalore, and you won't get caught in traffic. 
you know, life could actually be better somewhere else in, in India. But how about doing something like that? How about thinking in those terms? And uh, uh, you can still engage in business. Today we are so connected through technology. You can work out from anywhere. You can work from Bangalore. You can work from another part of our, our country and still get the same job done. So uh, the, the opportunities are there. We need to be willing to think like that and make those, uh, uh, those changes, those, take those risks. So think about being part of that church planning movement. We'll help you do it. Uh, if you're interested, just come and uh, speak with us. Number five, caring for those who are on the field, providing support to them financially or even just going and supporting them uh, spiritually in their times of need. Uh, you can help uh, support people on the ground. And uh, we are supporting all outreach churches. We can support more uh, missionaries and evangelists and so on. Number six, you support the publications ministry. Uh, a major part of, of the money that we give as tithes and as offerings in the church here goes into our publications ministry. We are able to get our books translated into Hindi and place it in the hands of many, many people who cannot afford to go to a Christian bookstore and buy books. Literally thousands keep going out and, and, and people are able to read. And they're in, uh, either they come from small towns and so on. They can take this back. They can study it. They can use it in their ministry. And so it's a, it's a great way to actually uh, meet this need, equip the church in northern India so then they can have an impact uh, in their region. So be a part of this. And lastly, our Bible college and our short-term schools. So in our Bible college, we bring in students here to study with us. Some of them can pay and some of them cannot pay. So a good number of students have come through our college over the years. Our people have not paid. We've taken care of them. Uh, uh, of course, it's through the tithes and the offerings here. We, we take care of their time here. Two years they spend with us, their food, their lodging. Uh, they get trained, and then they go back uh, to wherever they came from to serve the Lord. So that's a great way for us to really uh, equip people who can serve God uh, back in, in, uh, in the northern part of India. And these short-term schools, which we've done in the past, they basically run for 10 weeks. Uh, and it's in, intended for people up in the north who cannot come all the way to Bangalore and spend two years with us here. So we take the school to them. And we run the school for 10 weeks. Uh, and we do only 17 subjects. So here we do 34 subjects. There we do 17. And, uh, uh, you know, and we cover two subjects every week. So three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. Um, uh, 15 hours on, on one course. And we cover that in 15 hours. Uh, so you can go and teach this. So we have the course material, we have a syllabus, we have a material that needs to be uh, communicated, uh, taught. Uh, and you can volunteer. If you are willing to go for a week, you go there, you cover, a, teach a subject, and you come back. If you're willing to do it for two weeks, you can go there, spend two weeks, teach, and come back. But you get to spend 15 hours of teaching and equipping uh, people out there in North India. In 2016, we'll have the dates and everything up by the end of the year. But we're looking at Chandigarh and Varanasi, short-term schools. Uh, so you can go there in either one of these schools and equip people uh, and come back and uh, bless, bless people. So think about these things. Next Sunday, we'll talk about our cities and, and what we should do, the need that is there in the cities across our nation and what we can do. I want to close with this passage of scripture from Isaiah 6. It's a familiar passage. Isaiah has an encounter with the Lord. Verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So having a an experience, an encounter with the glory of God, reveals to me my own need and the need around me. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. My encounter with God now changes me, transforms my life. And then... Verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I answered, Here am I, send me. What an interesting thing that God would look out to man and say, Whom shall I send? 
who will go for us. So God says, look, this, this is a great need across our nation. Whom can I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah, having this encounter with God, he says, here am I, send me. I want to invite us as a church, as a people, to be willing to respond to the Lord like that. Saying, God, here I am. Do something. I'm not saying that we should all be superheroes and be big preachers and have big church. I mean, that's not the point. Can each one of us do our little parts towards this cause? Whatever we can, whatever God has enabled you to do, do it. It's all going to add up towards this great cause of reaching our nation, discipling our nation for Jesus Christ. Now I believe God's put something in each of our lives that we can do something. We can make a difference. I want, want to encourage you to think, start thinking, start praying. What can I do? Whether it's in the cities of India or whether it's in the rural parts of India or in both parts, whatever you can. I'm sure if you begin to pray, God will show you what you can do. Let's rise to our feet, please. Let's call our worship team up for a few moments. We want to take some time to respond this morning. And uh, we have the big picture. We have what's happening across our nation, the need. And sure, we need to do things right here locally. But there's a need across this land. And would you begin to pray? Would you begin to ask the Lord, saying, God, what can I do? What would you want me to do? At least make yourself available this morning and say, God, I'm available. Show me how you would like to use me. We may, not, we may not have all the ideas right now. We may not have all the plans right now. But if you could just pray a simple prayer and say, God, I am available. Use me in any way that you would like to. I'm sure that the days to come, God will begin to speak to you and me and Reveal plans, reveal purposes. So let's take a few moments just to pray, please, as the worship team just leads us. And you pray. You connect with God right now. And say, God, here I am. Send me. I'm available, God. You show me what you want me to do. Here 
nations as an ambassador for you as an ambassador for you my father ask of me ask of me I will give you nations as an inheritance for you as an inheritance for you my children ask of me ask of me I will give you nations as an inheritance for you as an inheritance for you my children ask of me send me to the nations as an inheritance as an ambassador for you as an ambassador for you Father here I am here I am send me to the nations as an ambassador for you as an ambassador for you father Father, we just pray that as we continue to walk with you, as we continue to journey with you, we pray for each one of us individually, God, that we will recognize what you would want us to do, oh God, for our nation to reach this land with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, speak to every one of us, speak to every heart and begin to guide us, begin to do things in our lives that will position us, Father God, to, to impact this nation for the gospel. And Father, we pray for us as a church community that you will work amongst us as well, collectively as a community prepare us, equip us and position us God to do our part to impact North India, to impact this, those parts of our nation that desperately need workers and resources and, and, and the work of the kingdom to be released work in us help us God to look at the fields that are waiting for harvest Father, we ask that you will prepare and equip people and, and in, in due time that you will take people from here and position them, Father, across our nation in places of influence, in places where they can release kingdom work, God. Whether it's in cities across our land or in other parts of our nation, equip people here and take them there. They will know they have been called by God. They've been sent by God. Use their profession. Use their skills. Use their careers. Use their jobs. Use it as vehicles for kingdom expansion, Father. Ignite revival in our hearts and in our lives and help us become carriers of the glory of God into our nation. Father, we pray that you will do this, O oh God, in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's get ready to close, please. Unto him was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that's at work in us 
unto him be glory in the church through Jesus Christ Amen 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 God bless you have a good Sunday afternoon see you again thank you we trust that this message was a blessing to you we'd love to hear from you you can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.